0: seen another evil under the Sun oh we can stand for the reading those scripture that's a good call um, I have seen another evil under the Sun and it weighs heavily on mankind God gives some people wealth possessions and honor so that they lack nothing their heart desires but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them and strangers enjoy them instead this is meaningless a grievous evil a man may have a hundred children and live many years Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that his stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning. It departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice over but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place? Everyone's toil is for their mouth yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage has the wise over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. The more the words, the less the meaning, and how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow? Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, pray for us.
0: (laughs) All right. I'm praying for us, I guess. Um, Dear Father, we just thank you so much for Mickey um, and blessing us with his presence uh, this morning. And yeah, Father, what a heavy passage. There's a lot of meaningless that were said in that. So uh, I just pray, Father, that. Mickey, um, that you would just speak through him, um, and yeah, allow your spirit to move in this room. Um, I pray for those that this might be their first, second time at church, Father, that you would seek and find ways to speak to them as well, and pursue their hearts as you've already been doing. Um, And for those that have been here a thousand times, God, I pray that you would speak a new word upon us as well. Um, So, your name I pray, amen. Thank you.
1: Hey, good morning. Hey, with a name like Mickey, just so you know this, I can formally declare This is the happiest place on earth. So uh, uh, it is such an honor to be with you. Uh, Let me just share during worship. Golly, my estrogen levels are so high right now. Uh, I was just taken with emotion. How beautiful uh, the bride of Christ is here. Uh, Let me encourage you. Come at nine o'clock. There's a prayer group. They prayed my whole message. Uh, Every prayer was every point of my message, so I'm done. So let's go ahead and close in prayer, because God's Spirit's already done this work. Um, uh, I've been in ministry for I'm almost uh, to my year of jubilee, 50 years. And uh, I've seen a lot of things in this world. Um, I uh, started as a children's youth pastor. I was going to be a school teacher, got my multiple subjects credential, and was going to work with kids. My mom died when I was 12. Uh, from cancer. I I don't have a lot of memory of my mom because she was in and out of the hospital and then my big sister took over the parenting role. Uh, Took over and she'd drive me everywhere, take me to school and three years after my mom died, my sister was killed in a car accident. And so you're, you're just as a kid growing up and the loves of your life ripped out of you. I wasn't raised in a Christian family or anything or a religious family, but you either get bitter or better. And I had this propensity, I just wanted to help people. And I didn't know the Lord. I came to Christ in college through reading scripture and met my wife. Now my wife's name is Karen Marie Stonier or Stonier. Uh, Just don't call me Stoner. Pastor Stoner doesn't work, okay? So, but I uh, met my wife. She was at our church, was helping with the kids. And so I, I recruited her to work with the kids so I can keep an eye on her. And uh, we became best of friends. So, um, but for 40 years, her name was to me was Karen, until 2020. Karen's became something you didn't want to be. And it was Shua and his wife. They came over to our house for dinner. And one of the first things they said they, during 2020, they said, Karen, we're so sorry about your name. And I was like, what? Go, you don't know. And they started showing us videos. I said, oh, we're done with that name. You're not. So in 2020, we changed her name to her middle name. She goes by Marie now. For, For real. So I tell people, I was married to a Karen for 40 years. But now I'm married to sweet Marie. Uh... And uh, we're still on a honeymoon, Uh, just more in love with her every day and just the joy to be with you. But I I did, I was asked, uh, a pastor got sick and asked me, hey, uh, can you do this wedding? I didn't know the couple at all. It was up at a beautiful place up in Fallbrook where they do weddings. There was a lake, there were swans, a fountain. I didn't even know the family anything. I just knew their names, was gonna do the wedding, had some prep work and everything. And so I'm up there with the groom and the groom's party, you know, the best man and his entourage. And then in come all the bridesmaids, one by one. Then the bride comes in on a carriage with her dad and the guy in the top hat driving the horses. I lost it. I didn't even know them. I was just like, oh, it's so beautiful. And that vision came to me about you guys. I don't even know you. But God loves you so much as his bride. And uh, I'm undone. Uh, just during worship and, and just sensing God's heart for you. You are so loved. And yet I know there's been there's been brokenness. There's been... Issues and trauma, but God has brought you some shepherds who just love His Word and just want to serve you and give their lives for you. I was listening to Pastor Dan's messages through Ecclesiastes. He's much smarter than me. Um, I got a PhD, piled higher and deeper, but (laughs) this guy just listening to his heart for God's Word. His love for you. Take heed to what you have here. Grow deep roots. Um, I, I uh, worked for 15 years uh, in children's ministry, and then I eventually got demoted in our church uh, to work with adults. Uh, <laughs> kids have a whole life ahead of them. Adults, you know, maybe half left, you know. And so one thing led to another, and what I do now, a lot of what I do, I've I've got to see hundreds of churches planted all over the world, and um, I was uh, part of a church, before it got started, it was in college, it grew into a church called Horizon, and then we planted churches, and then I had this guy named Miles McPherson, he came and worked with me, I was his boss in ministry, uh, he was an NFL player, he came to the Lord, so I got to supervise him, and I saw his gifts. I said, someday I'm gonna work for you, and so he started a church called The Rock, and so I've been with him, but uh, my years of service in the community, I've I've worked with the fire, police, military, I work with your coroner's office, Uh, I work with the brokenness in our community, and and let me just share with you, this community where you live right now, I ride along with the police and fire, there is so much pain. It's one of the most busy stations in the country, responding to the brokenness and to have the neighbor's church right here to love your neighbor uh, we we I was on a ride along we had a medical aid there was a heart attack just down the street from here and it was a house behind the house and we get in and there's a gentleman there it was early in the morning he's holding his chest and we go and I'm a, a chaplain so I'm just there to support the firefighters and other family and so we go into the home and he didn't have a shirt on. There was smoke filling the air. You could tell they partied all night, the bottles everywhere, and a little disheveled. And so there's a series of questions that the paramedics will ask, you know. Uh, how old are you? And he was like 45. Uh, what were you doing last night? Well, we partied pretty hard. Uh, do, do you exercise? He was a bit overweight. He says, <laughs> no. Uh, do you smoke? Yes. Uh, are you on any medication, many, any medication? He said, yeah, I actually have medication uh, for some cardiac issues. Uh, when did you last take it? Well, my prescription ran out a week ago. I just haven't refilled it. Do you have a history of heart disease in your family? Yeah, my dad died of a heart attack. How old was he? 45. This was like a checklist. I was listening to this. Check, how to die young. Check, 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 check. You're living life wrong. And the thing that got me, and I'm just praying, and I'm I'm there just seeing the scene, and they're putting him on a gurney. They're going to take him to the hospital. And then he grabs the paramedic, his shirt, saying with big saucer eyes, don't let me die. Don't let me die. And I'm thinking, gosh, he's lived a whole life headed in one direction. And now the consequences of those choices are just crushing his heart and desperately asking for help. That's this community, that's this city, that's our country, that's the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, Your pastor two weeks ago, he taught on chapter five about wealth and mammon, and I love how he brought out some of your core values about stewardship, simplicity, core values, generosity. It's a course of how to align your life. Well, here in chapter six, which happens, they gave me the most important chapter in the whole Bible. Did you know that? Ecclesiastes chapter 6 today is the most important chapter in the Bible. Do you know why? It's because we're studying it today. (laughs) So it becomes the most important chapter for right now. But three times in this passage, he identifies at the core, the core of how people live and and where they go in life and the many distractions, how do you say his name, Kohelet, the preacher, the teacher, he is uh, the son of David, he's a leader, and the whole book of Ecclesiastes is warning, he says in chapter 12, my son, he's warning the young, please don't make the same mistake I made. Please listen to me. In fact, in chapter 11, let me read it to you. He says, you who are young, be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart, cast off troubles from your body, For youth and vigor are are meaningless, vanity. Don't miss this, he says. And and then in chapter 12, of course, uh, the conclusion of the whole matter, he says, my son, please hear my heart. Now, if I could give you my heart, you're loved. God has such great things he has for you in this community within this family, within your life. He has a calling on so many of, all of your lives to represent him, the mission for you to go to the, the, um, the foundations class, for you to become more like Jesus. This city desperately needs you, desperate. I Everywhere, I just got back from Florida. Um, I'm sent all over the country to train first responders, firefighters, police, lifeguards on mental health. In one shift, they see so much tragedy more than any of you will see in an entire lifetime. And yet, how, what do you do with that? And so I have in my, my degrees in psychology, but it, it's helping people deal with the exposure to trauma. Now, what do you do with that? How, how do you organize this? What What do you do? Because many first responders... Cycle down. They start drinking too much. They they rage on their family. They go through relationship after relationship and finish their career a wreck. And it's a it's a problem in our country. Suicides of first responders far outnumbers line of duty deaths. And yet they've never done. Think of this: if a 747 plane jet crashed every year with 300 passengers what would they do? They would ground it. This is unsafe. Well, every year, over 350 firefighters, police officers take their life. You would think, okay, we have a problem. Well, what did they need? It's right here in chapter six. And so let me have you grab hold to three things, and we'll be done early, okay? Hopefully, I promise. I just got back from Florida. I just taught for 24 hours. Three days for eight hours a day for first responders on self-care, mental health. I could go on for a long time. But Shua warned me. uh, No, we, we, we fit it down to at least three hours. So I'll, I'm gonna cut that in half, okay? We'll only be together for 90 minutes. Just kidding, just kidding. Listen to this. Three times in in verse three, he said, uh, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive a proper burial. Uh, The writer is warning, God has meant for you to understand the essence, the purpose, the meaning, significance of life. That you would enjoy the goodness of God and and have a legacy, a proper burial, is in the sense of a, a legacy. How you live your life, people will look and say, "That's how you're supposed to live. This is how you're to set the course of your life." And then, in a, again, he in uh, verse seven, he says, "Everyone's toil is." For their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. That word appetite in different versions can be translated your inner self, your core self, your soul. Not in the spiritual sense, your passions. And and when you live apart from God's design and purpose, you're, you're, you're missing. Your passions and appetite are never satisfied. People think it's having more, doing this, travel, uh, relationships will satisfy me. And yet that the conclusion that he writes is, no, it's this relationship with God. Uh, it's fulfilling the significance. Now, John Maxwell, he's an author. We went to school together back in the day when he was in his graduate studies. Uh, he's an author. He teaches on leadership and... Uh, he says significance grows out of knowing your sense of purpose let me ask you this do you have a sense to know your why what's your why why are you here what has your designed and what's your passion what what is it you desire you the natural propensities, your temperament, personality, you're an introvert, extrovert, you, you, you are just, you want, uh, you want to accomplish, you're an entrepreneur, you're a builder, you're a sustainer, whatever. God has made us all unique and he, he has a why over your life. Your why can adjust and change because it's not the, the destination, it's more the journey that he has you on. But a lot of people meander through life and never stop, slow down uh, the stewardship, the simplicity, the generosity that's core to this community to just sense, do you know your why? I have a sense that's probably why you have them come to your class. This is our purpose. This is your purpose. You see, knowing your purpose, let me tell you this. Your purpose is to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. To enjoy. He, he says that you know, people, people fail to enjoy the gifts that God has given them. Well, uh, John Piper, he twists that Westminster Confession of Faith. The number one question, what's your purpose to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? He says, now really it should be to glorify God by. Enjoying him forever. You know, when I, um, I used to, my life's busy and responsibilities and I loved COVID. Let me, forgive me for that. COVID, 75% of people through COVID either grew and thought, wow, this was a great couple of years or at least maintained. 25%, that was a rough season. Now, if you're an extrovert, you have young children that were supposed to be in school, you got really sick or had loved ones that that got really sick or lost a loved one, it was a horrible time. For me, my life slowed down. Uh, It was, the freeways were empty. Uh, My schedule slowed down. And it was like, oh, Lord, there you are. And my wife and I had, you know, I'd come home some days uh, from work, or she comes home, and one of us, I'm talking on the phone, hey, honey, Um, and then I go over to the computer, start answering some more emails, and finishing up the day's work, we're just kind of, how was your day? And the Lord's slowed us down. So now we have a commitment, and let me encourage you. Every day when you come home, whoever you're with, Walk in the door, make sure the phone's off, and just pause. If you're in a relationship, just hug one another. First, 20 seconds, there's a hormone change. Cortisol is replaced by oxytocin. And there's pleasure hormones. I call them happy hormones. Uh, Dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, oxytocin. You just slow and hold. Hey. Hey. How was your day? Now, if you're not in a relationship, brother, or sister, mom, dad, a boyfriend, a, a fiance, your spouse, if you have a dog, walk in the door, <laughs> slow down. Your dog is so excited to see you, just hug your dog, show him or her some love. Now, if you have a cat, forget about it. <laughs> uh, there is no sense. So, hey, Number One, know your purpose. Here the writer is just slow down. you have a legacy. Enjoy the goodness of what God has brought into your life me I, I have this old, tattered um, kind of looks like a Bible, doesn't it um, Years ago, as I mentioned, my mom died when I was young. And years and years ago, my my kids were young, and we went up to see my parents. grew up in Hermosa Beach up in LA County. And uh, my uh, stepmom was there. My dad was after Easter, actually, this time of year. And my stepmom said, hey, there's this old dresser we're gonna throw out, it's in the garage. Would you take out whatever you want because we're gonna throw everything away. So I was going through this drawer because my dad was a collector. He would hang on to everything. And so I was going through. There was these pictures, everything. I emptied the drawers, put them in a box, and now it's in my garage. Uh, But in there was this book. I'd never seen it before. And I thought immediately, it's a Bible. Oh, oh my goodness. I open it up and it was a diary. And it was my mom's diary. Didn't know this existed. When she was a teenager. 16, 17, and 18. And I started reading the passages. I got to know my mom. Uh, She was a little boy crazy. Uh, She loved her daddy. Her and her dad went on dates. And they went to the theater, and I got to hear her story. learned of her faith her love for god i got to learn about her her history and what she believed in and uh, i was just reading through this and and then i i realized gosh you know the bible the bible is god's diary it's what he wants us to know about him it's his history it's his thoughts it's what he would want you to know about him and I started to read the Bible differently because it's not just a textbook. It's just not a religious book. It's an intimate relationship that God has with us. And it's there that you learn more and more of your purpose. So I'm going to, you know, my, uh, when you read through Proverbs, you're going to notice a theme. Solomon writing most of the Proverbs and from his dad, David, uh, actually, you can do a little homework on your own. David, on, in Second Samuel 23, you can write this down, 2 Samuel 23. The first, it says, these are the last words of David. Do you know how I know they're the last words of David? Because the Bible says, these are the last words of David. So there's an editor putting a commentary, and then David, uh, in, in verses 2 through 7 or so, he He's reflecting to his son, and he says, "He who rules must be just, righteous." But he says, "But it was not so in my life. But God was gracious. Yet God was gracious. God still blessed. God still fulfilled, even through my failures. Uh, God was good and." And so in my my family, we my wife and I, I wanted kids. She wanted kids. Uh, she came from a family of seven, uh, you know. And I was a school wanting to be a school teacher. And so we wanted lots of kids, but we couldn't get pregnant. And so we finally went saw the doctor, and she didn't have a, a regular cycle. They gave her meds, and we got pregnant, and had a miscarriage, and then got pregnant and had a tubal pregnancy where they remove uh, the fallopian tube on one side and then got pregnant again had another miscarriage and then pregnant again and a tubal on the other side where they it actually passed through and our our doctor said you're probably not going to have kids you should consider adoption and we were open to that we worked with so many kids and and 38 years ago she got pregnant and we had a little girl and then two years after that she got pregnant and we had twins a boy and a girl And then two years after that, we had another girl. We had four kids under four. That's when I became a stress management expert. (laughs) And I took her back to the doctor and said, can you make her the way she was, you know? Well, we learned over the years, um, you know, I've always wanted my kids to know, and they all love the Lord. They're all local. We're a real close family. But when each of my kids, my daughters turned 16, we have this place, I'm well, at the La Valencia Hotel in La Jolla. There's a balcony there. And one by one, the oldest, my daughter, her name's Shiloh, I took her to lunch. I've always dated my kids. I still date them as they're adults, and my wife does. Uh, I, I took her out to lunch and just her and me. And during our lunch, I told her how much I loved her, how special she is, what God's purposes were for her, Is calling upon her life and that I got down on a knee and I said, someday a man is going to get down on one knee. Some idiot is going (laughs) to try to steal your heart. Mine's better. No, but I just said, someday a man's going to get down on one knee. It's going to tell you he loves you and wanting to marry you. And, and so I, I told my daughter, I said, you wait for a godly man that would love you like God loves you and would serve you and honor you. It was then I gave her her promise ring. And then two years later, my next daughter took her out for the date and did the same thing. And then finally, my youngest daughter, they had already told her. And they were like, when do I get to go to that lunch, you know, and Kind of ruined the secret and everything. Well, my son, when he turned 16, I got um, some men that had been in his life over the years. Uh, you know, anyway, significant men. And I took him to lunch and we're, we had a private room. He walks into the room and all these men were there. And I gave him his promise ring. And each of the men spoke wisdom into his life. As an older generation, this is what you need maintain your legacy to have the joys of life and one of the gentlemen gave him a stone as a gift and said this stone came from elah valley in israel where david slew goliath and i've kept this as a remembrance stone and he gave it to my son to say hey when the battles come against you hang on to this remember faith in god Uh, God will fight your battles God will be your victory and so kids have grown up and you know gone on and well my son and I Went to lunch that gentleman that gave my son the stone Passed away. He had a early heart attack died and then his son and his grandson broken over the loss of the dad the grandfather well, when his grandson, that man's grandson, turned 16, his dad took him to lunch and asked my son and me to go join him for lunch and just to pray over him and just to love upon him. And so we did and told him some wisdom that, you know, from our perspective, this is what I would encourage you to set your course, to understand uh, God's calling on your life, to know your purpose. And then my son pulls out of his pocket and says, your grandfather gave me this rock. And I'm now giving it to you. I was just a wreck uh, that he was passing on that tradition, that legacy, that story. And so my, my grandkids came over to our house. Uh, we were, uh, their parents were going out of town. They spent the night. And uh, it was a rainy night, a drizzly night. And we have a little jacuzzi, in-ground jacuzzi in our backyard. And so I, uh, I told my grandkids that they were about four, uh, 15 and 13 at the time. I said, before we go into the jacuzzi, you know, uh, come here, come here. We walk outside. We're under an umbrella in the backyard. And standing there, I said, hold the pole. And so they hold the pole. They're like, and they call me Bapa. Bapa. Papa, can we go in the jacuzzi? I go, just wait a second, wait a second, hold the pole. And so we're holding the pole, we're all under the umbrella, and I said, you know, it's kind of crazy how life is. You know, if you stay near to God your whole life, like, stay close to Him. God protects you from all the storms. Yeah, our feet are getting wet, it's cold out here, but for the most part, yeah, bad things still happen, but we're under his protection. And I said, you know what's crazy to me and all the people I help out in the community, it's like people walk away from the covering of God and they're getting the storms hitting them and they shake their fist at God saying, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And I said to my grandkids, what do I need to do? They said, Papa, get under the umbrella, grab the pole. And and then we went in the jacuzzi. It was just one of those life lessons. Well, six months later, my granddaughter texts me. She goes, Papa, we did shape poems in literature class. I didn't know what a shape poem is. You do a poem, and it's in a shape. And she sends me this text of this umbrella. I'll have them put it up on the, the screen. She said... It was just an evening night we had together, but that stuck with her as a stone of remembrance. She said, our shelter from the raging storm above pouring down on us is simply not even realizing how it has merely scratched the surface. Our God is like an umbrella from the storms of life protecting us from the attacks of the devil. Holding tightly to the pole is like staying close to God. When we step out from under his protection, People blame him for getting wet, even when all they really need is to step back under. I, uh, I'm reading this text, and of course, I'm just bawling. I'm just like, they got it. They got it. You know, they got it. From generation to generation, as a friend of Moses, let me encourage you. These are the words of life. God wants you to enjoy all his blessings. He wants you to enjoy him and give thanks to him for the goodness that he has in your life. And know your purpose. Live for his glory. Let him love upon you. But you also need to stay the course. Here's where the warning came. He says that, you know, it's crazy how some people, they're not satisfied. They get off course. I, I grew up on a sailboat. We moved on to a sailboat, a big schooner, 50-foot schooner. And every year we'd be in the Ensenada race. And from, Ensa, from the ocean, from um, looking towards Mexico, from out at sea, there's a mountain range just south of Ensenada, it looks kind of like Diamond Head in Oahu, the picture of a volcano. And so every year we were in this, this race. And as a, a you know, 12, 13-year-old, this one year, it's an overnight race. It's the largest sailing race in the world, 350 miles overnight. Uh, I woke up in the morning, and we're out at sea about 10 miles from shore, and I see the mountain range, and I saw that we were passing it. I tell my dad, dad, I think we're passing Ensenada. And he goes, no, no. Back then they didn't have GPS. He had the sextant to get the points and measure where we were. And he goes, you're right. We missed it. Uh, Here was our problem. We had a chef who was also our navigator. He was a great chef. Just not real good at navigation. But here's the deal. We were two, two degrees off. That was it two degrees, 360 degrees, two degrees off is not a big deal. But if you go 350 miles, all of a sudden, you're 10 miles off course. Here's my encouragement to you. This is the encouragement that our writer is appealing to the young. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is all. But then he qualifies and says what it means to fear God. Because someday, he says, you will give an account to him. And here's the beauty of God's word. The fear of God, we sometimes think, it, okay, it's to have awe and respect. Um, no, it, the, the definition of the fear of God is the conclusion of Ecclesiastes. Here's the fear of God. He says to know that you're accountable to a God who loves you. He is with you always. To those in faith, we see the fear of God translates into his love, his providence. He's with us. To those apart from faith, the fear of God becomes the judgment, accountability, every secret secret, secret. will be revealed. And so know your purpose. Uphold your priorities. And then live within God's presence. In his presence, the scripture says, is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so as a a grandpa, let me give you some wisdom. God's promises are true. All his stories, his blessings, they're true. But you have to bring yourself under that favor of the Lord. And you have this here. This is a huge umbrella. Stay close to one another. Grab tightly. Don't get off course. As Kohola did. Stay the course knowing his favor is upon you.